Here we are on uh, episode eight of the Identical Draw podcast. And first, I want to thank our sponsor of the podcast, Vortex Optics. Um, we are on a hunt with new hunters right now, and they Vortex has been super generous. We've got um, we were able to give these new hunters some Diamondback HD ten by forty two binoculars um, and some rangefinders. So we just thank Vortex for caring about this cause of getting new hunters into it and being generous enough to be able to supply us with some things to give them. Um, gear, getting into hunting is an expensive hobby, and so Vortex to be generous to do that is great. So we're going to get into this podcast. We've got three new hunters. Um, we hunted in northeast Nebraska for whitetails, and we did strike the last, last hunt, of course. Um, we had some success, so we're going to get into that. Um, Tom, hit it. Okay, so the three hunters, I'm going to start with intros. We've got Micah, Chris, and Clayton. Um, Montana, Colorado, and Oregon. Um, all walks of life here. Um, Clayton, you started off with intro. Introduce yourself to the people. Yeah, uh, Clayton Chambers, uh, coming from Portland, Oregon. Uh, really new to hunting. Less than a year. Started this fall. Uh, you know, picked it up with the easy stuff. A couple birds, a couple ducks, year mm-hmm. two, um, and then immediately got the itch and wanted to see what big game was all about. And mm-hmm. you know, was really, really fortunate to to hook up with these guys. So. Oh yeah. So uh, <clears throat> Clayton, like Tom brought up, well before the podcast, Clayton is uh, works at Nike and is the reason that Kipchoge is so fast. <laughs> <laughs> he's the, he's the science and the brains behind uh, going sub two in a full marathon, but. Yeah, um, I, I like to say I have a very, 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 very small part yep. in that. Hey, you know. it's a part, though. Hey. <laughs> Watching that guy, I always like those YouTube videos. It's like, try to run Kipchoge's pace for 30 seconds. It's yeah. like, oh, it's so hard. <laughs> All right, Chris, introduce yourself. Hey, uh, I'm Chris. I came here from Colorado. Uh, also real new to hunting. This mm-hmm. is my first real year out. Uh, mm-hmm. Same, just kind of started birds, upland, mm-hmm. and now just starting some ducks, but... Real excited to be out with you guys and mm-hmm. chasing whitetails. So, is this your first big game hunt? Yeah, first big game hunt. Mm-hmm. Perfect. First ever try. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Micah. Um, I'm Micah Thornton. I'm here from Livingston, Montana. This is my first season hunting, um, and this was my my first time, really. Um, also, choosing archery has been really challenging. I picked mm-hmm. a hard way to go about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, <clears throat> I'll give some context on the weekend, kind of. Um, everybody got here on Friday night and we, we Saturday morning, we spent with the PowerPoint that I made just presenting like, um, details about whitetails, um, hunting strategies, just went into the whole whitetail thing pretty heavily. We were very fortunate to have Matt Ross from the quality deer management association tune in and sacrifice an hour of his Saturday to drop some words of wisdom on everybody, including us. I always learn from them. So Nate didn't mention, but, uh, we have four inputs on our, um, mixer. So this is Thomas. Now we're going to just be passing back the, uh, the old headset every once in a while. But yeah, Matt Ross was super generous to take time out of his Saturday and he dropped some knowledge bombs, which I didn't even like, he brought up things I wouldn't even think of to bring about, like starting with the whole history of it the whole reason we hunt, like talking about deer populations being so low, um, in the, like the turn of the century, um, and then into, in the 1930s and forties. And then, um, kind of just the progression there was really good to hear again, even though I kind of knew about it and have been hunting for a while. Um, but I want to touch on Micah, you found out from about this opportunity from, somebody from the meat eater team, which I wanted to, if I'm ever on the meat eater podcast, I'm going to tell Steve and make him feel bad that I sold a new hunter from under his nose. <laughs> um, but Micah, can you touch on that quick? Uh, yeah. A friend of mine, Maggie, who was on one of the episodes, uh, the turkey hunt, she shot her first deer last year and it was, I thought it was really cool and I was really inspired by it. So, um, 
she actually sent me the link to this uh, this um, competition that you guys mm-hmm. were doing or contest, uh, which was really helpful. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Chris, how did you find out about this opportunity? Honestly, I think it was through a media podcast too. <laughs> yeah. um, just like following links through First Light and mm-hmm. finally getting you guys. Right. Yep. First Light was huge in helping us reach out to people. That's been probably the biggest help we had finding new hunters. Like at the beginning of this, I don't know if we mentioned it on the podcast, but starting it out in the spring, we were like, man, it'd be great to get like 10, 20 submissions, mm-hmm. be able to take out a handful of people. <laughs> First light post, 200 submissions that night. I was like, okay, <laughs> we're going to have some, we have some work to do actually. But Clayton, how'd you find out about it? Um, so, you know, over the, past six months or so i've just slowly been figuring out the who's who of kind of the hunting industry and everything and uh somebody turned me on to to onyx and immediately it was uh, a moment of clarity in terms of going out into the field and and trying to find some some places to go um and so i I started following them and you know just seeing what those posts were like and everything and and this popped up uh, on their feed and it really piqued my curiosity because um you know being a new hunter one of the biggest barriers that i've found has just been finding people to take you out and and show you the ropes and so you know when that opportunity presented itself um you know it was (laughs) it was pretty easy to just go and you know Mm -hmm. find out you know how do i get into this you know Mm -hmm. that it was top priority for me so this new hunter project that we've done has shown me a lot of things but one of the things is people are like really want hunting knowledge I mean, look where you guys came from to come hunt with us. It's like we need we need a surge of really great mentors to pop up and like be able to sacrifice some of their time. And I tell you what this this has not been a sacrifice at all. Like meeting all all of you guys and being able to be on these adventures has just been the best and so rewarding and I wish more people would catch on to that because like mentorship is crucial in a lot of things but especially I think hunting I mean, just like we were talking about, like having the hands-on, like having me be able to show you guys how to clean an animal and like process that all. I mean, there's so much that like you can skip so many difficult boundaries with somebody that kind of knows their thing. So for all you hunters listening, man, like really reach out to people and kind of poke around in your area and just see if, I mean, I guarantee somebody that you know, or friends know, or is would be down to try hunting. So um, I want to hear from each of you, Micah, you could start. Um, why, why did you want to like, when you saw that, like the, the, the project we were doing, like what, what piqued your interest in like, Hey, I, I want to mentor. And then also like bigger scheme, why you want to get into this hunting thing? Um, I was really interested in having a mentor because this is such an intimidating sport to get into. And I just, Mm -hmm. I'm starting from nothing. I have no prior knowledge. Um, <clears throat> what was the second question? <laughs> it was, uh, why do I want to hunt? Why yeah. do you want to hunt? Sorry. And yeah, yeah. I have course. like buck fever right now being on <laughs> fever. <laughs> podcast fever. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, I just want to learn to live a more sustainable lifestyle and have more of a connection to my food, um, and more respect for the meat that I eat and want to know where it came from. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we were talking about, man. COVID like really changed a lot of people's minds. That's one thing we were talking about. Like really like if shit ever hits the fan, it feels good to be able to like have some confidence to go out and like find animals and be able to know that thing. I mean, that's kind of a part of it too. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's like, it's, it's a deep thought and to like go there to where like, I mean, you have to do that, but it's really great to be able to like feel sustainable and confident to be able to do those things. Chris, how about you? Why did you want to get into hunting and what were you looking for in like wanting a mentor? Yeah. So like my first interest in starting hunting was like through my photography work and just kind of slowly building on like, I was shooting a lot of topics about like sustainable food, mm-hmm. sourcing different like sustainable seafood things. And then like just getting more and more personal about my food and like going down that rabbit hole. And finally, like I ended up writing an article for a, a sustainable hunting and fishing magazine, mm-hmm. uh, Pursuit International. And then through them really like, like man i just gotta start hunting like mm-hmm. i'm already writing for it i might mm-hmm. as well Definitely. give it a try mm-hmm. um 
And then like the, the thought process of like looking for a mentor is just the, I don't know, the gravity of the act of right. killing something. It's just so you, you can read all you want about it online and feel like very confident in your knowledge, but like having somebody there that has been through that process, like physically like breaking down the animal and also just like emotionally, like, I don't know. It's a, mm-hmm. it's, it's a, a pretty serious act. So definitely. You need to plug your Instagram right now because people need to check out your page. You've got a slick-looking page. Oh, shit. Plug it. Go. Yeah. Check out Christopher Dowell Photography. Mm-hmm. Although, I think I'm just Christopher Dowell on Instagram. I think you are, yeah. Yeah, cool. So, just my name. Christopher Dowell. Dowell with two L's, not the stick. So, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, you do a lot of great photography work. Thank you. Pl- talk about that a little bit. The, I mean, because Thomas and I, you make us look like newbies. So, talk about some of that. Well, thanks. <laughs> you guys are pretty awesome. So, um, yeah, I've been shooting for a while. I do. I have a little commercial studio mm-hmm. that I run out of my my house in Denver, gotcha. um, and then just do like a lot of like lifestyle brand work and and some more product stuff now, and, and gotcha. really starting to dive into the hunting world and, mm-hmm. and been working with Henry Rifles a little mm-hmm. bit, yep. uh, which is my newest client. A lot of really fun work coming out from that. So. Yep, that's cool. Yeah. Sweet. All right, Clayton, on to you. Why you wanted to get into hunting and the mentorship side of things? So uh, how I got into hunting, you know, I, I grew up basically my whole life fishing, you know, and so I had kind of a appreciation for that connection to, you know, kind of going out and getting your own food and bringing it back, um, you know, and that that was really my, my intro to it. I spent a lot of time in the outdoors, um, and I had a lot of honestly misconceptions about hunting mm-hmm. and hunters. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it was never really part of my family or part of my upbringing. And, you know, I, I had a certain, I guess, perception or just, just kept a distance, uh, in a sense. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, as I got older, I got, you know, I, I started meeting people, um, that I knew and respected and were friends and I found out that they were hunters and, mm-hmm. you know, it, it kind of opened me up to like, okay, it's not just a type you know, there's a lot of different types, mm-hmm. right? And, uh, you know, so hunting, a hunter can be anybody, right? And so, you know, I kind of looked out and just decided that, you know, well, how do I expand a little bit of the kind of what I grew up doing in fishing um, and sourcing kind of that, mm-hmm. um, you know, your, your food from the great outdoors. And, you know, I just got curious about it. And so I started poking around online, um, you know, the, the fish and wildlife, um, Right. state site and you yep. know trying to find resources of you know how you get started and how you start learning and you know I, I did a lot of uh seminars and clinics through fish and wildlife um which was super helpful at least in getting over that initial hurdle of right. you know holding a gun or you know killing an animal and you know that really started out but it it doesn't really re- um it doesn't give you that one-on-one experience of having a mentor, right? Cause you leave that with so many questions, you know, you just, you know, like I should have written this down and I should have asked this. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's all these things that unless you spend, you know, a day or two or, you know, a season even with somebody showing you the ropes, you just don't get right. And you can watch a million videos and you can read, you know, tons of articles, but nothing really replaces being out there with, with somebody of experience. And so, you know, it's, it's not easy to find those people. Um, and so when someone reaches out to you, you got to take it. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Had, had you ever shot a crossbow before this weekend? Never. what did you think about that? Because you were a good shot and it was, I mean, you catch on pretty fast. So yeah. talk about that. Cause crossbows, unfortunately they get a bad rap. I mean, I don't know in some communities, especially in the comp, I mean, compound guys are like crossbows too easy, blah, blah, blah. But it's a super great tool. What, what was, what's your viewpoint on them? Well, you know, honestly, in my short time in this, you know, hunting realm, um, I picked up on that a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, there was this kind of connotation about, about crossbows, right? Yep. And it's like some states outlaw it, um, or, you know, it's part of a different season Then mm-hmm. it doesn't count as archery. And, you know, some people consider it cheating or, mm-hmm. you know, it's too easy. But, you know, what I found is that, you know, it's a nice kind of balance between what you experience with rifle hunting, you know, where you got the scope and you can settle in, you can be comfortable. 
Um, but also take advantage of learning how to get close to an animal. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have the 150 yards, 250 yard safety net. You can get in and, you know, you have to challenge yourself with, you know, 20, 30 yard shots, um, and getting that close to an animal, but still have the comfort of, you know, a trigger and a scope and, and just being able to settle in. Right. And so it's a really, really good for me. It was a really good kind of entry level, um, experience to learn about, you know, the ways of the deer and getting them close um while still having kind of the comfort or not having the fear of you know mm-hmm. messing it up with a right. compound bow right so. yeah i want to hear from chris and micah you guys came with the compounds i want to chris you could start how you uh kind of got into the whole compound thing and how that's been because compound journey can be a frustrating one i remember i mean my first few years with the bow were difficult so kind of talk about how you've been getting into that yeah, I, 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 yeah, so I ended up buying a bow, and I was shooting it every day for a while, and then kind of COVID happened, and some moves, and other things that kind of got in the way, and I was, like, feeling pretty good and dialed in, and then had to take, like, a month and a half off, and wow, it's, yeah, I was not nearly as confident coming back to it, mm-hmm. and, like, switching to the, like, for this hunt, switching to that compound, or the um, crossbow, really, like, I don't know, I didn't want to let my whatever i was like some hundred dollars in the hole for a compound bow and been practicing a bunch but i didn't want to give yeah. that let that get in the way of me like possibly maiming an animal right just because i went out and practiced mm-hmm. too much to like let my pride get in the way mm-hmm. so i really want to just make sure i can make that like clean and ethical shot definitely with no no other obstacles really yeah that's something that thomas was talking about is he wishes we would have had somebody to be like yo go practice more like we had a lot of years <clears throat> getting into archery that our shot was definitely not where it needs to be for flinging arrows at living animals. And that was something that we had to learn, like spend way, way more time at the range than you think you have to. Mm-hmm. And like the consistency, you cannot, you cannot, I mean, there's nothing that re- replace, like replaces that. When we go to Colorado um, in the summer, we take our bows out there. We can just shoot all day, every day. And my shot after that week of shooting like 50 arrows a day, every day is like the best it gets all year. And I'm like, man, I wish I had a place where I could go shoot more like that. And it's, I mean, it, I, I have places in Lincoln, but that consistent practice is just, is you can't, you can't beat it. Micah, what about you for compound stuff? Um, really similarly to Chris, I bought a bow and started practicing a lot this summer and um, I brought it this weekend and I was feeling pretty confident and I, um, I think a crossbow has a little bit of a stigma is also something that I've picked up on. Um, but ultimately I decided that, um, I wanted to use the crossbow because it's the more ethical way to hunt. Like I didn't want my ego to get in the way or just to like shoot it because I brought it and I paid to check it on the plane and I thought (laughs) I should. Um, and I'm really glad that I made that decision because, um, Cross, or hunting with a crossbow is still hard. Like you have to get really close to the animal, um, and you have to be a good shot. So, um, yeah, this was a good experience because I think it kind of opened my mind to other possibilities. Like you can you can bow hunt, and you don't have to be you don't have to use your compound bow. Yeah, yeah. you guys. This is Tom again. Um, <clears throat> You guys both shot well during like our practice session um, yesterday, but I was like just glad. I wouldn't like, I'd almost say just relieved because it like using the crossbow and the way you guys are shooting just like bullseye every single time with that crossbow. It just made me feel like if there's a situation where a shot was going to happen, um, using the crossbow versus compound, you, your brain just simplifies everything. Um, there's just so many other thought processes going in with uh, a compound. And um, I mean, you guys are shooting relatively tight groups. I think um, what me and Nate like to go by is like the, the inch for the yardage. So for we're happy with a two inch group at 20 yards, three inch group at 30 yards, 10 inch group at a hundred yards. That's kind of like our gauge. And that's kind of how we feel going into a hunt because the last thing, it is terrible going into a hunt and we have me and they have done this going into a hunt when we know maybe our bow is not exactly tuned in or we're like mentally, we haven't been shooting very well. And, um, ideally like we shouldn't be 
shooting at an animal until we hit a week or so at the range. But the the best thing that's helped uh, me and Nate just like really get into that, like I'm going to shoot an animal at the compound is like just every day, twice a day for 10 days. If you guys did that, you would see a huge change in the way you shot um, compound. Um, but I love that you guys both brought them and were able to shoot them. Um, I know in the near future, you guys are both going to be able to use those on hunts. Um, but I wanted to, um, briefly touch on before we get in the hunt, we can get in there. We all have an early morning, but, um, what did you guys think about the conversation with Matt, um, Saturday? Did he, um, give you guys some more knowledge or is there any takeaways that any, any of you guys can go that you got from that conversation? I think for me, it confirmed a lot of the reasons why I wanted to learn to hunt. And in this process, I've been so pleasantly surprised by how much of it is about um, conservation. Um, so that was really cool to hear him talk. And he was so passionate about it. And I left that feeling really inspired, which this is so new that I, you know, I've never been inspired by something so different it's very far from like my realm i'm a hairstylist so yeah <laughs> chris or clayton what, what do you guys think about that combo yeah i love like him focusing on the history of the conservation like even the history of just like the fees and tags and things like that and like how those came to be about and why they're still in practice and and all that was really like neat to learn about and like really like i knew about the, like north american model of conservation like how it worked in general but to see like the passion behind it and like it in practice was really yeah really neat definitely clayton you asked some good questions during that combo um what do you think yeah i mean you know same as these two for me it was it was a really good affirmation i think just of you know how many good people and good organizations are out there um doing the right thing for for conservation and um you know coming into this that was one thing that I, I honestly didn't realize um and i think probably a lot of people don't realize outside of the hunting community um is how much is contributed to conservation through the lens of hunting right yeah. um it wasn't until i took my hunter safety course um and they kind of touched on that throughout that i first started to learn about that and then just seeing somebody like matt um from one of those organizations um speak so highly of it and speak so highly of other organizations also, right? You know, they're all kind of a community, each kind of, you know, representing a certain, you know, animal type or, you know, but I think they're all in it for the same reason. Um, and it's just a really good, uh, really good thing to see. Yeah. Um, I love that conversation. It, it was probably honestly one of the highlights of the weekend for sure. Matt is just a super knowledgeable guy and, um, kind of where you just ended off clean. I love how he talked about other organizations too. Yep. And he really was specific about like belong to the organizations that, um, like of the animals you hunt. Um, he wasn't like, Oh, only, only belong to the QDMA or NDA or anything like that. Um, he suggested it, but, um, no, that was awesome just to hear that everybody's working together. I mean, MDF, RMEF, all everybody. So, um, that was an awesome conversation with Matt. Do we want to get into the hunt a little bit? So Saturday morning, Saturday uh, afternoon, we did shooting, had a conversation with Matt. We also put a PowerPoint up and talked all the things that basically trying to fast forward you, you three's knowledge on hunting and shot placement and why deer get on their feet, what, what makes good deer hunting conditions, all that sort of stuff. Um, but then we split up for Saturday evening number one. Me and Nate were like, we have to kill right now. This is easy, evening number one. We can do a first day kill. I know we can. Um, we, we, we couldn't. But um, I was with Clayton, um, single. And then you, uh, Nate, Chris, and Micah were in a spot that I actually set up the blind with. And uh, you guys saw more deer than me and Clayton. Back to Nate with the headset. One thing yeah, you didn't mention is... Clayton, me, and Micah were going to set up a ground blind. We bumped two bucks um, going to set that up. Um, probably it was either a two and a half and three and a half or a year and a half and a three and a half, something along those lines. One buck, I was like, oh, that's a nice little buck. And then as soon as they spooked, then I saw a 
a flash of something that was like, oh, <laughs> that's a nice bug. Um, so that was great right off the bat. Set up that blind on the uh, west side of the property. And then, uh, yeah, so Tom and Clayton were hunting together, and then me, Mike, and Chris. And um, that night we had decent movement. We had, uh, like, deer moving really early as soon as we got into the blind. Um, and then went a span of time, snowed a little bit. And then we had one younger deer. We weren't sure if it was it was on the I mean it was either an early drop fawn but it was like really in between that like big doe and small like in the fawn size it was right in the smack middle I was like oh that's a decent deer um, Micah you almost pulled the trigger on that thing <laughs> <laughs> I want to know about your like what was going in between the ears during that time well this doe kept walking out in front of us and was so curious it was almost like. Um, she was waiting to yeah. get shot. Yeah. Uh, but at first I had decided that she was too small and I didn't really want to shoot a fawn. And I knew that we had a whole other day ahead of us and the conditions were just right. And I wanted to wait. And then and then she came back and she was just <laughs> yeah. right there. Yeah. Um, so then I tried to get, um, you know, the bow all ready and was ready to pull the trigger and I think that maybe me um, putting the safety, turning the safety off, mm-hmm. scared her. Um, and I got a little bit of that that buck fever that mm-hmm. they're, they're talking about. Mm-hmm. That's why my heart is beating now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm I'm happy that I didn't take that shot. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't shoot anything this weekend, but I'm okay with that. I still got so much out of this experience and I got to watch Clayton take a really amazing shot. So, mm-hmm. yeah. um, I think that that little fawn can live to see another day. And yeah. I feel good about that. Yeah, for sure. We, uh, we've had other circumstances like that last weekend I was hunting with Carson and she had an either sex tag and early in the evening of the last night, 30 yards, there was a nice doe broadside. And she's like, ah, I think I just want to wait. I think I want to wait to see if there's a buck around. And we'd seen bucks quite a bit that day. I was like, okay. I mean, those are decisions you make as hunters. So um, it's totally up to you if you want to take an animal or not. And, I mean, it was pretty easy. I mean, the rest of that night we saw a a doe and two more fawns, I think, that night. Um, But that was basically a wrap. Tom, Clayton, you guys, uh, no. Not a whole lot going on there. (laughs) Uh, rifle range. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> saw, saw a few out of a good couple hundred yards. Um, so we were like, okay, no deer first night, whatever. Um, we're not that lucky anyway. So <laughs> Sunday morning, conditions were right. Pressure was high. Snow was falling. Um, there were already probably a fresh few inches on the ground. It was 20-ish degrees, felt like 15 degrees. Everything in my head was like, it's going to be a freaking amazing morning. Um, And this morning, me, Nate talking, and Micah hunted together. And then Tom, Chris, and Clayton were together. And uh, me and Micah went to a spot on a property that we coined Nate's spot, my spot. Because I don't know, I just always hunted there. And I had some, I've had some amazing sits in this spot and I'm like, yes, the wind's going to be good for this sit and we're going to be good to go. And we saw like two or three deer, like way out far into this field. And that was basically it. It was slow. I was so surprised. I was like, our wind's pretty good. It wasn't like full in our face, but it was definitely a side wind that was like in our favor. And the deer just were not moving for whatever reason. I was really surprised. Like even walking around throughout the property, very few tracks and not a lot of movement. And so I don't know what, what'd you guys, what'd you guys see that morning? This morning? It was nothing, nothing. You got a You had a close Turkey, didn't you? Yeah. We had some pretty close turkeys coming through. Yeah. Tom again. We, uh, we did have some Toms. We had one Tom wonder and two crossbow range. He was lucky. We didn't have a tag. <laughs> um, but it's, yeah, we refer to your spot as Nate's morning spot. So the conversation goes like, you go into your morning spot. Um, it's not an evening spot. You only hunt in the morning. And it's great because the landowners don't know about it. Like, 
like you won't find another tree stand, trail cam, find. It's just like this little patch of trees that, I mean, it makes sense to hunt. It's next to ag, but they don't always think through those things. So it's like a little gem that we know nobody's touched since the last time we've been there. Um, so when I heard, I wonder, I was like in my mind, I was like, am I doing something wrong? Like, gosh, these pe- these people flew from miles and miles and am I screwing this up? But then you text me, I'm not seeing anything. So I'm like, okay, Nate's morning spot is not providing. I feel I feel a little bit better that we're not seeing anything. We saw some does running a couple hundred yards away. That's as exciting as our morning got. Um, we sat late. I thought with the snow coming down, they might move late. I mean, we didn't see any more action late. We were in the blind till almost 11. Those turkeys kept us in there. As soon as we, um, I gave the green light to pack up, those turkeys were there, so we watched them for another 10 minutes. Um, then me, Chris, and Clayton walked up, um, dropped some gear, and then just did a little deer walk, one of those. Told Chris, he's got the range. Clayton, you got the crossbow. Something fast goes down, it goes down. Um, and we didn't see anything, but I checked the trail camera, and there's buck action on this ridge top that I've shot a buck, and we've shot many doe. Um, so we set up a blind there, and then met you guys for our like 20 minute break today, and then we uh, basically headed back out. Um, anything eventful in the middle of the day that I should? You know, you know what those those two morning or those two first hunts kind of uh, really solidified for me um, is that you know it it's not about how much you know all the time. Right. And yeah. how, you know, perfect your access is to property, you know, or, and how perfect the weather is like all those things just fell into place. Like, you know, you guys being there, you know, access to really good property, seeing deer, you know, on the way in and, you know, all around the weather being great. You know, I even asked you guys is like, Hey, what is, what does your perfect day look like? And it, it, it was, it was today, right? Yeah. And, it was uh, basically today and like, you know, <laughs> so, and then to not have opportunities come through, it's like, all right, so this isn't as easy as it, as it seems, right? You know, you can have all those things in place and then, you know, stuff still won't walk in front of you. Yeah. Right. And I so, really, yeah, that was a really good point claim that you brought up in your like closing interview. Um, yeah, you can do a lot of things, right. But deer have, they, they end up doing their own thing when it comes down to it. So. That was a really good point. We can get into our evening hunt first and then let you guys. Um, me and Chris were sitting together this evening on that ridge top, and pretty slow evening. We decided to get in there early. I mean, we were, we were all set up by at least 2.33, and uh, we didn't see anything for, for a long time. And then finally, um, as we were both dozing off, um, Chris taps me on the leg, and there, and I look up. And there's just a young buck like 10 yards away. <laughs> just popped up on us, came over from my side. So it's my fault. I didn't see him. I didn't see him the, as soon as he popped up. Um, but he was right there. And, you, I mean, he wasn't like super nervous right away. Oh, no. But no, he wasn't very nervous at all. But you slowly brought up your crossbow. I was getting the camera ready. Um, and the click of the sa- safety, which yeah. got Micah. I mean, he kind of looked up and just like, he wasn't convinced that something was there, but just enough that he decided to walk back. Mm-hmm. But I, I looked back left, and he had a buddy. And I was hoping his buddy would come in, but his buddy ended up following behind our blind. And I could, I was kind of watching through a back window, and he was sniffing our boot tracks. And I thought maybe like a young buck, he's probably one and a half. Um, I was like, maybe, maybe we can get him to not send us, and he'll come back around in the front. But he ended up working out back behind us and I told Chris let's try to do a 180 let's see if we can shoot out the back of the blind um which didn't work snow was too loud oh Chris, yeah it was, have, it was a crunchy it was a crunchy floor what do you have to add about this evening's sit other than that it was cold yeah it was cold <laughs> um man I've never had my heart go from just like zero to 60 so fast <laughs> just when I saw just him start to come over that ridge it was just and within like I don't know five seconds he was within 10 yards and yeah I, yeah I, was, it, I didn't i'm pretty chill it's, yeah uh, <laughs> i did not expect me to just be like holy shit yeah <laughs> um that's i told you chris like that's the amazing thing about deer hunting it can be the worst evening and the best evening same night um that was but, with like 15 minutes of shooting like that yeah I if know. that yeah. yeah um 
it was funny. I was able to watch like all you guys like be like completely calm, chill, and then deer is like deer. I just like, about yelled. I was just, yeah. just like turn it on, um, which is awesome. Um, but then we saw uh, Doe and Fawn. There wasn't really even a shot opportunity. They were just basically working 30, 30-ish, 35 yards away from us. Mm-hmm. No shot opportunity there. Um, and then I'll let you kind of – that was the conclusion of our night. We actually have Chris for another morning. He, he drove. Um, and me and Nate are heading straight down to the Kansas 80 after this hunt. So we're going to do a quick morning hunt there. We take um, Clayton and Micah to the airport um, early in the morning. So me and Nate are going to split up. But I'll let you guys take it over for the, your evening hunt. One thing to add, if I might just backtrack a second to the morning hunt. Um, after me and Micah's slow morning, we went to um, further north into the property, um, a place where I killed my first deer ever, the famous buck, Little Buddy, 52-yard <laughs> shot. Uh, I shouldn't have taken that shot, but it worked out for me. Uh first deer ever and i was like this place this place is going to produce anytime it gets around this time of the year if we can get a wind pushing south we're like let's head down there because we've had lots of shots you killed your first deer down there didn't you yeah so it's just been a good area and there's just deer move through there um so we set up the blind down there thinking hey we'll be here for the evening sat there a little bit um it was probably 10 o'clock. We sat there for another 30 40 minutes this morning and these crows started flying around and landed down on, on the ground and I was pulled up my binos and sure enough, there's a, there's a dead buck they're eating on. And I was like, that's a decent buck actually. And so after the, well, shortly after the crows, um, two coyotes came in, which were like, they had nice coats on them. They, one of them was like really orange and it was cool to kind of watch them. They were just playing with each other and eating the carcass a little bit and then, um, ran off. But we went over there and there was a nice three and a half year old Nebraska buck I'm not even sure for it was an either eight, eight, eight or 10 pointer and who knows how it died. But, um, that was kind of cool to see, uh, just the process of life. But, uh, yeah, so we got out of there. That blind was set up for the evening. Yeah. Like Tom said, chill that midday. We heard from their hunt. So this evening, um, me, Clayton, and Micah head back to that spot. And I'm like, it's gotta happen. This is the spot. We'll get lucky. And we didn't see anything for a few hours. And then Mike had the spot, two does from our hard right working. They worked about 80-ish yards away from us. Never gave us an opportunity, but they were they were working kind of fast. And they came from downwind, so I could kind of tell they were a little nervous. So they might have come from behind us and knew something was up. But, yeah, they worked from probably about 80 yards, just kind of spun around us. And uh, then we had a long wait. Just like chilling out in the blind, nothing happening. Clock started ticking. I was like, oh boy, here we go. This is, uh, yeah, this is kind of like, if it's going to happen, it kind of needs to happen soon. And we sparked up this great conversation in the blind just about hunting and how it's hard. And as much as you think you know, you're hunting like wild animals that can just do whatever the heck they want. And you're hoping that one of those one of these random deer just happened to like stroll past you with, I mean, our, our shooting range is like our max is like 30 yards. So you need one of these animals out on this property to just stroll by you in your shooting lanes at 30 yards with time to get everything right. And so, yeah, it's really hard. Like we, we hunt a lot to have like a little bit of success and we put a lot of time in and, um, we're having this thing like, yeah, I mean, a lot of our hunts, we go home empty handed and what is that going to be like for you guys? And sure enough, I just look up and there's a doe working right to us. I'm like, yes. I mean, it was ideal. I was telling them when we were when we were cleaning her up, not to spoil it, but I was like, if you guys would have asked me before the hunt, like, what would be the ideal situation here? I'd be like, well, this doe. Hopefully, we'd have a doe come right behind this cedar and just work out broadside right there. And that's literally what she did. I just looked up and she she was like pretty relaxed. Um, and there were at least two or three does out there, and they basically came straight on like front in front of us um which helped us because we were able to get eyes on her really easy and then she just kind of came out in this clearing and uh clayton kind of take it from there yeah i think you know when you first spotted her Mm -hmm. you know and kind of clued us in Mm -hmm. uh, we all kind of you know looked up and 
as quietly as possible got excited right? there's, and, there's uh, a moment there like when you see something and everybody like has their thing like i'm i'm going for the rangefinder and like getting the audio on you were doing something with the bipod, like I getting that, set it up getting so that adjusted, and Clayton's grabbing the bow. <laughs> and it's all this like nobody's talking, but everybody knows what they're supposed to do. Yeah, like they're just grabbing their stuff. Teamwork. And yeah, the whole time that's going on though, like you know, she she looks up. Yep, and she's on to something. Yeah, right. And so I think all motion just stopped, mm-hmm. and everybody kind of yep. knew to stop, and yep. everybody is, I think. You know, at the pin drop, just waiting for her mm-hmm. to go back to her business, mm-hmm. and fortunately. She put her head back down, you know, and started walking. Um, and, you know, that whole time, you know, Micah graciously, you know, handed me the um, the bipod and ranged her in at about 30 or so. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, uh, you know, slowly pulled the, the crossbow up. And then it was not, it was not a straight on shot. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't what I practiced where you know, you have the butt seated in your shoulder and, you know, you're comfortable in the chair and, you know, you have time to side it in. It was, it was a little bit awkward and it was a little bit off center and, mm-hmm. you know, but the thing was, is that the scope was just right on. Right. And all of a sudden it was just like this moment of clarity. Like, <laughs> I don't, I don't know how to describe it. It was kind of like everything just went really quiet and everything was super still and like, it was just right on. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, I, I, I felt super confident and, mm-hmm. you know, I just let it go. And I knew when I let it go that it, it only went one place. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. uh, it felt really good. Like I didn't know what it was going to feel like to, to let that first arrow or, you know, whatever fly. And just, you know, in that moment, I thought it was going to be, the shakes and kind of just total nervousness. And I'm sure it's different for everybody. Um, but fortunately for me, it was just, just pure calm. Right. And it really instilled a lot of confidence in me. And, you know, I think it, it just felt really, really, really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And right away it was, so it was a pretty good, it was basically a broadside shot. She was, I think she was quartered to us just barely, barely. but, um, so that was already really good. Um, and as soon as I watched the shot and like just heard it, the biggest thing was hearing. It. I didn't see the shot super great, but I heard it and I was like, "That's good." And based on her reaction, I was like, "Yeah, I think I think we're we're good to go here." But um, yeah, and right away, it's always that moment of like you want to be super excited, but it's also like we didn't watch her fall, so where it's like there's always you never know. I mean, um, so it's always like. Oh, I want to be so jacked up right now, and I am. But it's like let's just let's just try to stay calm and give it another. We gave it another what twenty minutes before we went to go mm-hmm. kind of look over there. And I pulled up my binos, and I thought I could see like some blood at the impact. So I was like, okay, that's probably good to go. Um, your point about clarity during the shot is really interesting, especially for a new hunter because other people that we've like, we've had like some hunters this fall that just say they just blacked out <laughs> like our good buddy Dylan. I know you're listening to this thing. He's like, yeah, I, I'm like, I, I talked to him before. Like, are you good? I'm like, yeah. And he'd like look calm. And then he's like, after I drew back, I just totally like forgot about everything. Everything flew out the window. I want to more, if you can just tell us more about the clarity. What was it just like peace and like being very like focused on that, like, this is my, this is my site. Those are the vitals kind of thing. Or what, what was that for you? I, I think a lot of it came from at the start. I think just the confidence that, you know, we had just practicing knowing mm-hmm. that, you know, that it was, that I knew how to shoot and that it was going to be on target. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that confidence, I think probably subconsciously really helped me calm down. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I don't know what it was just in general, but you know, I could, I could hear, Micah and yourself, Nate, both still whispering, but I didn't know what you were saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I knew you were talking and I could, I could just hear and I, you know, um, whatever you're saying, it, it, it just wasn't clicking. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, stuff was going on around, but it just was, it was really focused and, you know, you know, I was a little bit worried, you know, the only thing that I was concerned about was just, I think, just the magnification on the scope maybe. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like, if, if I could turn that back out a little bit and just be 
super certain that it's right where I want it, mm-hmm. but you, you don't have that kind of time. Right. Yeah, right. And, uh, I, I felt really good about, you know, just kind of where it was. And mm-hmm. I think just the, the confidence is what helped me, you know, just have that hyper focus. Right. Yep. Um, and so, um, that was huge. Yep. Absolutely. So post shot, we're feeling pretty confident. Um, we hang out in the blind for another 20 ish minutes, see one doe running around. Um, and finally we're like, okay, let's go. When we still have some daylight, let's go see if we can follow some blood, get there right away. And it's just a good sign. I mean, just blood right on impact, like spray. So like, as soon as that, I'm like, okay, we got a good pass through probably both sides and blood's pretty, I mean, it, it was out. I mean, it was an easy, easily walkable. I could have run the blood trail. <laughs> like that's always like, if we can keep a steady walk, that's solid blood trail. So like you were leading the way. Tell me what you thought following that to the animal. Yeah. I mean, I, first of all, I was, I was grateful for the snow. Oh yeah. It is so <laughs> because, nice. I mean, you, you saw tracks and you saw blood, you know, so clearly and, you know, just, but walking up to it, you know, I was, I was just trying to kind of go through my head about, you know, you know, I, I just really hope we find this right around the corner, you know, and really, really soon and that it's, and that it's gone. Right. And, uh, you know, that, that's the best possible outcome is, you know, you can tell that you hit it, you know, and you can tell that it's definitely wounded, right? You feel good about the shot, but there's still that uncertainty. Um, and so, you know, I think those moments of just following that and not being certain, uh, there's a lot of anxiety that builds up in there. Right. And so, um, you know, it was just kind of slow and methodical kind of going around. Um, but as soon as we turn that corner and, you know, laid eyes on her it was just a huge sense of relief yep you know it just I mean, kinda... she only went maybe 30 yards 20 30 yards that's i mean you it doesn't get more ideal than that it's really interesting for thomas and i we do interviews at the beginning of all these hunts and we ask what are you most excited about what are you most nervous about most of the people the biggest nerves are i want to make a perfect shot i'm really worried about injuring an animal and that <laughs> yeah that's a big that is a big freaking deal um, just making sure everything's dialed in. And I mean, you made a perfect shot, which is awesome. I mean, we, after cleaning her up and stuff, we, there's literally broadhead marks through the heart. So, I mean, it doesn't get faster than that. <laughs> so Mike, I want to hear you, you were with us walking up on that thing. What, what were your first thoughts? I kind of felt the same way. I was just really concerned, um, with it getting dark and being so cold. I didn't, mm-hmm. um, I was concerned that we were going to have to track it really far, which the snow was helpful for that. But I was glad that it was so close. I kind of thought it might be because I thought I heard it drop. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I was just really happy that it that she was gone, mm-hmm. that she wasn't, you know, flailing around or right. something. Yeah, <laughs> if that's. It, I mean, if you do it enough, like I, I don't want to like make it sound like it's a thing that happens. But I mean, Thomas, you and I, we we've had that happen. Like we've had further tracks than we want. And whether it's a bad shot by us or the animal moved in a way that we were not anticipating all those things. It's so difficult. Like you just have to stay positive and you have to stay hopeful and you have to know that, Hey, like we did the best, we did as best as we could kind of thing. But I mean, just having a perfect shot where the animal expires, I mean, within seconds, I mean, seconds of that impact is just just so great and just eases your mind so much. That was just awesome. So we got her, we dragged her out of there. Um, and we cleaned her up. Clayton, what'd you think about, I mean, opening up the knife mm-hmm. and like <laughs> getting your hands on some, some great meat. Honestly, you know, I, I, I think I told you this, you know, just in that moment is like, that would have been probably my one regret, um, leaving this. Mm-hmm. Um, was not having the opportunity to learn from you guys how to clean and break down an animal, right? Because mm-hmm. I think that's a really intimidating step. I mean, it's super, of course, it's super intimidating to get at the point where, you know, you actually, you know, take an animal, right? But then the, I think, responsibility that you have after you've done that to, you know, treat it with respect and, you know, break it down and, you know, you know, not waste anything, um, I think having, again, that confidence to know how to do that going forward, that was something that I was 
you know, really anxious to leave here without. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I was really grateful to have that opportunity um, because that's something I really want to learn mm-hmm. firsthand. You can watch a million videos on YouTube. And I did. I have <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in preparation for this moment. Right. Um, but I think it, it wouldn't have been the same. Right. And I still would have been lost. Right. Um, that's not to say, you know, hopefully if there is a next time um, that I'll ace it. But I definitely feel a lot better equipped um, to do it well and, and to do it in a really, I think, respectful way. So. Right. That's awesome. Yeah, it was just all around. Just I was just so thrilled to have something on the ground. <laughs> we definitely put pressure on ourselves, like me and Tom, to like really, I mean, you guys have come from a long way and like sacrificed some time. And we just want to make sure that this weekend is enough for you guys and you feel like it's fulfilling and you you learn a lot and that that part of it is definitely big like i was saying we just watched a video a million times and like just opening up an animal though it's difficult you don't you don't know what it's like until you're actually making cuts on that thing and and getting your hands on it It can be stressful and intimidating and all those good things but no it was a it was a great hunt i just in general i had a great time with all you guys hunting it was a pleasure to be out we you guys were an awesome group. We we have been so blessed with all of the hunters just being fabulous. Like people I'd hang out with anytime. So mm-hmm. um like I like I said, I've probably told all of you guys, I mean, anything you guys need throughout this whole fall and your hunting journey, just hit us up. Call, text, whatever. We've we've already we've been in communication so much with around her other hunters that um we just want to stay in touch and like like what I was saying earlier is your next hunt's not going to be a Nebraska whitetail hunt. Like you're going to go home and you're going to have to figure things out kind of differently, you know? And we want this to hope like definitely, hopefully some things will transition well, but also, I mean, finding public land, hunting different, I mean, mule deer, elk, they're just all different. I mean, you're, you're not going to be sitting in the blind probably with any of your guys' hunts for the rest mm-hmm. of the year um, and all that. And we, I mean, we did blind hunts this entire weekend. So all those things just know, yeah, we're always here to, help you along that journey for sure. But do you have Tommy can get some closing thoughts? Yeah. I'll just kind of piggyback off when Nate said we had a fantastic time with you guys. Um, thank you for the time, effort, money, um, to get here. Um, I'm so glad I was relieved when I got the text from Nate saying deer down, found it. Um, that was awesome. Clayton, I want to touch on Nate. You kind of did, um, your closing interview, you talked about like, um, walking up to that animal what kind of made you nervous. How, like, how, how did that actually feel going up to your doe? Um, I think, you know, that was something that I didn't know how I was going to feel honestly. Um, and you know, I'm sure like I you know, said for some other things, you know, probably everybody experiences it a little bit differently. Um, and you know, I know, I honestly know, I know some people probably, some people cry, you know, some people probably elated, you know, jump for joy and all that. And, you know, when, when I walked up, I, I was just kind of numb, honestly. Like I, I just didn't feel anything, you know? And, uh, I don't know how I feel about that, you know? Um, because you know, I, I did have a lot of respect for that. And I think it, it, it sunk in, um, you know, as we were dragging it out and as we were breaking it down, it definitely sunk in the gravity of the situation. But I think just in that moment, it was just, there's just so much going on. Right. Um, there's so much, you know, mental stimulus that, you know, I I didn't know how I was going to feel and I I still don't know how I felt, you know, honestly. Um, you know, I didn't feel like I was ecstatic and over the moon and I didn't feel like I was, you know, really dreadful or, or anything like that. It was just, it was just really numb. But, you know, as I, you know, kind of processed it and, and walked away, you know, it was, uh, it was, it was gratitude and it was, you know, it was relief and it was, you know, there was some, some enjoyment and some excitement in it. Yeah. Um, still today, I, me and Nate will walk up in animals and I think we kind of covered it on last week's podcast, but there, I mean, there's 100% sometimes regret, even though like we're doing this, we're out here, we're putting effort in, but you take a life. So there's always a minute, like a millisecond of regret, but it's such a big, um, big thing, big important moment, killing an animal that sometimes, yeah, you can't even, you don't even know what you're feeling until, I mean, days go by. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll, I guess I'll close up with like one last question for you all. Um, like 
is this, has this weekend at all helped convince you? Like you want to hunting something that you guys want to pursue? Um, do you have plans for the remainder of the fall or maybe next fall? Clayton, we can start with you and kind of go around. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think it definitely solidified, I think my, my interest and my, um, you know, newfound, I think passion for it, honestly. Right. And, uh, you know, it, it equipped me with enough tools that I feel like I can confidently continue to go out and continue to learn. Um, and so I'm excited for that. You know, um, it might not be with a crossbow necessarily, and it might not be with a compound bow. Um, it might be with something else, but I think just the, and it might not be in a blind, you know, and it, it, it probably won't be right. Um, out in the Northwest. So, um, but a lot that I learned this weekend is exactly what I was expecting. Right, which was just to to learn as much as I can um, from guys who know what they're doing. Right, and so you know I can't thank you guys enough for extending the opportunity. You know, you uh, you gave us thanks for for spending money, but you know you, your time is super valuable. So we we're super grateful for that. Um, and can't thank you enough. So um, I know that you know for sure you guys you know saw you guys checking the trail cams a couple times <laughs> when that snow was coming down and yeah. You know, there's got to be something going on down south. So um, there are a couple of bucks on the can <laughs> Definitely weekend, appreciate your sacrifice for sure. Um, next up for me, um, you know, I I was fortunate enough to draw or not draw, but you know, pick up a general season elk tag um, up in Oregon. So I'm gonna, you know, approach that very intimidating task uh, here in middle of November and probably learn a ton and get nothing. So yeah, looking forward well, to it. Good luck with that. Thank you. We enjoyed you, Chris. Yeah. I think it definitely just reconfirmed that no matter what, I don't know, you end up leaving what they're doing. It's worth it just to be out in the woods and no matter how cold your toes get, it's, it's always a good day sitting out there. So yeah, it's definitely something I'll be continuing to do and, and, and keep learning on and, and growing with, but Chris quickly touch on, um, uh, you're vegetarian, but you want to get in hunting. Kind of bring that around a little bit and kind of explain it because it's awesome. What? Yeah. So I've been, uh, I was a, a vegetarian for about like a year and a half. Um, and then I've been like a pescatarian for um, pretty much five, four or five years. Um, so, yeah. And the, the main reason like I made that switch was like sustainability and environmental impacts. Um, and that's really what led me down that first road of doing those photo projects and, uh, learning more about, I was down on the coast on George in Georgia. So doing like a lot of, I was on a shrimp boat for a day and, and just kind of learning about even something as simple as shrimp, like watching that pile of bycatch just dwarf this little bit of shrimp that came onto the boat and all that getting pushed off dead and all those things. And just really seeing those impacts, like just sparked an interest in me and my food and like really understanding where where it's all coming from and like the actual impact of what it is um and then yeah i went on to do some projects on sturgeon and even like sustainable caviar which got me into that hunting magazine um but yeah just really learning about like the proximity to food and like really really having like an intimate knowledge of where my food comes from and especially like with meat in it too there's the whole like ethical aspect of like how is it sourced? Where is it from? Like, uh, just really knowing what it is to like eat meat and eat something that's been killed. Yeah. Yeah. I think we both have like the same goal. We both want our families fully on wild game. That's like my dream. <laughs> um, that's the, I'd love that to be the only meat we eat, but, yeah. um, Micah, we'll finish with you. What, um, I guess future plans. Do you have anything like set out for the remainder of the year at all? Um, I do, yeah. I'm gonna go home and probably over the for as long as I can for the remainder of the season. I'm gonna go out on the weekends and um, probably r rifle hunt, especially now um, having seen the process. Like I just don't think that I'm confident enough in shooting my bow, but I'm pretty confident in shooting a rifle. So I hope to get a deer this year. Um, yeah, and this weekend really just exceeded all of my expectations honestly it was so fun and I'm so grateful um, that you guys were here to teach us and that I got to meet Clayton and Chris um, good co good company for sure um, 
yeah, I feel like I could really confidently and comfortably go home and start, you know, having conversations with my friends that I know do hunt and um, we can kind of get out together. So Awesome. Well, yeah, like we said, we loved our time. Um, if you guys ever need anything, like Nate said, text, call, whatever it is, email. Um, for those of you listening, um, questions or comments or want to uh, jump on the phone and ask uh, what tree stand to sit um, during this next cold front, um, hit us up, info at identicaldraw.com. Um, but, yeah, guys, thanks for joining us this weekend. I'm sure this won't be the last hunt. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks.